0: motorsport magazine for the very best in motor racing welcome everybody
1: and thank you for listening or downloading or whatever it is you do with this podcast good to have you with us this month on the motorsport podcast we look back at the grand prix season thus far just two races to review a big talking point for us in the uk of course has been are you bbc or are you sky do you want to pay to view or not Although, of course, if you watch the BBC, you do pay, because it comes out of your tax. Anyway, the BBC, of course, has a new commentator. And last week, I took a survey, well, a straw poll, shall we say, amongst the people I work with, on what they felt about the new voice at the BBC. And I am pleased to tell you that it was 60-40 in support of the new commentator, which is very fortunate because Ben Edwards is sitting right next to me. (laughs) And uh, we'll be talking to him about the season so far. Also here, of course, is our editor, Damien Smith, Nigel Robach, who needs no introduction, and our producer and web editor, Ed Foster. So, we'll be talking to Ben in just a moment. First of all, I need to tell you about the new subscription offer. Now, you need to pay attention here because there's lots of figures. You can save more than 29% on the cover price when you subscribe today, and you get a free DVD of Motorsports Bill Boddy and Dennis Jenkinson. Well worth watching, I'd say. A one year subscription then in the UK is £46, the rest of the world it's £64, and in the US of A it's $85. If you can't keep up with this, I'll repeat it at the end. A two-year subscription in the UK is £84. The rest of the world is £120. And in the USA, it's $150. This is for two-year subscription, and that is a saving of 37%. I will repeat that at the end. Okay. And don't forget, um, all you digital natives, you can also read Motorsport on your iPad. Just go to the Apple Newsstand, whatever that is, to download it right now. When you subscribe to the print edition, you get every issue of Motorsport magazine absolutely free on the iPad. I'll repeat that. When you subscribe to our print edition, you will get every issue absolutely free on your iPad you with all that? Just about. I'll be testing you later. Okay. Welcome, Ben Edwards. (laughs) Thank you very much. Congratulations, man, on (laughs) the new job. Um, I suppose the first thing (laughs) we've really got to ask you um, is, do you sort of still are you still pinching yourself and realising you're not at Brands for those ruddy touring cars? <laughs> you're actually
2: up there, you know. A little bit, yeah. Now I think to, to to be BBC Formula One commentator, yeah, it still has, you know, it has sunk in, and I have now done two Grand Prix for them. But yeah, it still it still seems as though I'm pinching myself a little bit, yeah.
1: When you bought a new house for your mother
2: and <laughs> you no, no, certainly not, <laughs> certainly not. Doesn't quite work like that on uh, on BBC wages, but uh, no, I mean to, to to be in this position, you know. It's something that I was looking to do for a long time, hoping yeah. to do for a long time, and um, now I am doing it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good news. Um, I'm sure you're pleased about the sixty forty in favour, by the way. That was very nice, yeah. I, I could have pulp. been quite quiet otherwise, couldn't yeah. I? <laughs> <laughs> um, OK, let me just get the ball rolling, and then we'll be going round the table with our esteemed um, colleagues. Uh, commentating with David Coulthard... Okay, now, here's a guy who uh, does know a bit about this and uh, has taken to it like a duck to water, I would suggest, a bit like his friend Martin Brundle. Yeah. So tell us how you kind of... Approached that before the first race because it must have occupied a bit of your mind.
2: Definitely. I mean, uh, you know I've been very lucky over the years. I've worked with quite a few co-commentators Obviously John Watson. I've worked with a lot as everyone knows with the Eurosport days and then with Sky Digital and a1gp but Jeremy Shaw in the States with Tim Harvey on touring cars and, and, and other commentators So it's very important to me that the relationship does work, you know we had two rehearsals in London before the first Grand Prix and they were very useful. I mean, they were on races that had already happened. So it's yeah. not, not like the real thing yeah. because you're not calling it genuinely as you see it. but. But we did it the best we could in that respect and we hadn't sort of previewed it so we just reacted as it happened and actually right from the start it had a very nice flow to it and, and it wasn't wasn't difficult it wasn't a problem um, and I found it very easy to work with David and and the great I mean you know David's been fantastic with me you know he said to me as far as he's concerned the commentary box is, is, is Ben's territory and he will uh, you know he's quite happy to fit in with whatever I want or how I want to see things he's very happy to sort of go along with that. Um, he, he still feels that he's a, a rookie in broadcasting terms, I suppose, but I, I think as you say, he's done a fantastic job since he came into the whole thing. And as a co-commentator, um, he really stepped up to the plate last year. And again, this year, I mean, some of the, he's very quick with seeing stuff as you expect with a racing driver, very fast to see stuff. And, and he spots things that are really quite difficult to see. So it's very enjoyable to work with him
1: how do you uh, tell me how you see your role because people are still going on about Murray Walker aren't they i mean they will be for a 100 years won't they and the, and and it's it's a tough tough job isn't it because you know that there'll be people who can't stand the sound of you mm, absolutely and you know there'll be people who sure. think you're the best thing since sliced bread so
2: yeah it 's totally subjective, you know people have to take their own decision on that, and yes, you can 't please everybody you won 't because something about the sound or style won 't please everybody um, and I think for me, uh, coming into it as I do now, at least i 've developed my own style, you know it has developed over quite a long time, and i don 't feel I need to try and be something i 'm not anymore. you know when you first start out, you think you 're analyzing your style all the time and thinking how you should change it, but I do feel i 've got to a point. In my career, where that is my style, and, and you know, sort of take it or leave it a little bit. I mean, yes, I still want to make it better and I still want to improve it, but it is what I am, and um, that's all I can do. And the BBC have chosen me on that basis. Uh, you know, they've said, please come and take for us. So, I'm, you know, that's what I'm doing, and I'm, I will do it in my style. Obviously, listening to what they say, and, and if there's any input they can give me that I can learn from, then fantastic. Um, something I've always wondered is why are people so opinionated
3: on commentating? Because you know, it's not just Formula One, it's touring cars, every kind
2: of sport. And it seems to be the thing that either people, as Rob said, love you or hate you. Yeah, I, I, It's uh, because it's you're in their living room, aren't you? You, 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 know, you are that point of contact to that sport and you're right in their living room, you're in their life, you're, you are absolutely a part of what they're seeing right now. Uh, it is quite a personal relationship, I think, actually, and I think, therefore, people do take it personally, you know, so, so, so they feel, either they feel a strong link or they feel a strong antagonism, um, depending on how they feel about that commentator. But you're right, I mean, it does seem to create and stir yeah. up amazing emotions sometimes.
3: Because it, it was Murray Walker, wasn't it, who says. You know, always said always, oh, you know, so kind of everyone to invite me into their living rooms on a Sunday afternoon that's right, I and it is. Just as you say it's Yeah,
2: it is, it is like that. I think you know, it is you're in a you're in a, a very sort of personal Private space in a way to to, the, to every viewer, you know
1: Well, actually, it's even more relevant now, isn't it? Because we are I mean in Murray's day. We didn't invite him He invited himself <laughs> <laughs> but 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 now, though, of course, we do, as I said at the top of the show, we have a choice. I mean, we can pay to watch Sky and not hear Ben Edwards, or we can watch the BBC and not hear Martin Brunnell. So now we are inviting you, actually. Um, and, Nigel, I know that you have Sky TV. So what? What are your? what's your take on... Have you watched both or just one?
4: No, I've watched both. I've watched both. I mean, I've, I... I, I, essentially, I've, I've sort of I've recorded everything that you know that both of that both have done, and I've and I'm, you know subsequently watched it in um, in uh, in great detail. I thought uh, your eyes were looking a little square. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I I mean, uh, the, the, in fact, the amount of sheer stuff there is on the Sky is is a bit overwhelming, quite honestly. Um, because you know they have the interviews. I mean, Steve Ryder has done these interviews with, with drivers past and so on, and those are r- repeated endlessly, you know, through through the week on the on the uh, on the F1 channel. Mm. Um, I mean, it, it it certainly pleased me that um, that the practice sessions were, you know, are on as well mm. as uh, as well as qualifying and mm. so on. Um,
1: they are, of course, on Radio I, Five Live on the BBC. Yeah, I know that.
4: Yeah, ah. yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I think you know. I mean, there are aspects of Sky where they're they're finding their feet. Yeah, aren't they? And um, I don't know. I haven't got it. Hmm?
1: <laughs> haven't got Sky TV. Ah. Shall we take a straw poll,
0: <laughs> Damien, our editor, Sky or BBC? Uh, so far, I've I've only watched the Sky. <laughs> so I, I haven't had. T- the time to watch both. And uh, so what my plan is, Chinese Grand Prix, I'm going to watch the BBC oh. just so I can get a, a feel for, for what they're doing as well. Ed Foster, a um,
3: young person? Yeah, well, it's quite hard to say it, because the BBC hasn't done a live race. I mean, that's going to no, no, be China. to no, no, be um,
1: Okay, let me put it in there. Well, I've
3: got, I've, yeah, I've got Sky and I've watched both races on that and then on the BBC as well. And the, as, as Nigel says, the amount of coverage on Sky is great. But actually... If you If you're trying to report on a race, a lot of that is you, when do you stop watching that? You know and there's, there's almost too much for me at the moment. Well, um,
0: yeah, I'd say um, the BBC set a very high standard in the last few years, and I don't think particularly Sky has moved it on uh, much further because I think it's very hard to. I think the BBC do a really slick professional job, and they 've covered a lot more news uh, in their coverage than, than ITV did before. Uh, and uh, I'm sure that standard is, is, is as high this year as it has been. I look forward to watch the Chinese Grand Prix. One thing I'm intrigued about, Ben, is the rivalry between the two camps. Well, hmm. well, How is that uh, manifested It's, it's fine
2: at the moment. I mean, you yeah, know, there is a bit of a r- friendly rivalry, but it, but the relationship is pretty good at the moment between you know all the BBC crew and the and the Sky crew, because so many have crossed over from one to the other anyway. You know, so um, uh, you know, so it's a pretty it's a pretty good relationship. You know, each teases the other a little bit about what they're doing, and and so it's, it's quite a healthy healthy rivalry. I would say at the moment. Um, is it going to remain good-natured Ben? do you I, think? Th- I think so <laughs> yeah I think it's in everyone's interest really that they well it is yeah you know and, and, and I think one thing that we do tend to forget is that of course they're not the only they're not just the two channels there in the Formula One paddock as you know you know there are so many tv channels from various different broadcasters around the world that Sky is one more to add to the mix and sh- and sure you know they brought a lot of people which you know which certainly was very noticeable in Australia particularly um, I suppose we're getting a bit more used to it in Malaysia. There were a lot of people with Sky, and so some of the other TV crews were noticing that too. But at the end of the day, there are lots of TV crews. You're not just—it's not just BBC and Sky fighting for position. It's—it's it's everybody all trying to get words from Vettel or Hamilton or Button. Or I, I did wonder if the, um,
4: you know, the Whitmarshes and the Horners and, um, and the Domenicalis might sort of, in a way, groan at the thought of. God, you know, I've got to do it twice. I've mm-hmm. got, to, um, and now I've got two British crews mm-hmm. asking me more or less, you know, similar questions. I, I thought. I wonder if they'll get. Uh, I think. I mean, it might be an element of that. Uh,
2: there may be an element of that, and at the end of the day, the drivers have you know a certain amount of PR time, um, and beyond that, you know they're not necessarily available. So I think it, it might. It's got to make a little bit of difference, in terms of accessibility and availability. Have, have you,
4: in the time you were away from Formula One, have you found that a, a big change in terms of? Uh, as you say, the drivers have a certain amount of. A little you bit, know, I You get eleven minutes with Jensen and Lewis, and you don't and get twelve. It. Yes, that's right. I um, mean, don't you find that? I, I find that quite irksome, actually. And I think, well, what the hell are they doing with their other?
1: Eleven minutes might be enough for some. Uh, yeah, I'm being, <laughs> I'm being, I'm being, I'm, 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 I'm
4: being facetious. It isn't eleven minutes. I can't even remember what it is, but it is very, very. It's very prescribed It's now. very prescribed. Yes. Whereas um, it, even in the mid nineties, when I was and doing and it for Eurosport.
2: You it's could talk to people more easily. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
4: yeah, and I think also, you know, I I envied you tremendously the time when you were doing CART mm. because I thought at that time yes that was the best racing on earth. Full stop.
2: It was a fantastic time so um, doing Champ cars. It was brilliant. Yeah, and, and the accessibility there was total. I mean, yeah, I could exactly. walk down the pits and, and talk to the drivers just before they yeah. got in the cars. Yeah, and exactly. Was, yeah, I mean, I remember, for example, talking to Zanardi that morning, the warm up at Lausitzring Ring. Um, he actually was just for the warm up. I talked to him, and then was commentating on that race when he had the awful accident. But mm. that sort of access you had with with the drivers was, you know, so different to Formula One.
4: Yeah, absolutely. But, and it, and it was one of. I mean, all racing has sort of good periods and bad. That was a golden age of IndyCar racing. It was definitely. Yeah. No, I,
2: I feel very lucky that I was part yeah, of that. Yeah. yeah.
1: Sorry. Sh- shall we talk a bit about the season so far? Yes. Um, as opposed to talking about the people who talk about it. <laughs> I think. Um, I mean. We've had two. Well, I would think we all agree, don't we? Great races, fantastic. Good telly, good racing. Um, better ask Ben, hadn't we? I mean, is, do you reckon McLaren is as dominant as it sort of appears to be?
2: Well, dominant. I'm not sure. If, I mean, qualifying, yes, they've been very strong, and Button's drive in Australia was was superb. But I, um, I don't think that we're going to see them necessarily running away with everything. Um, yeah, I know Malaysia was a strange one in the way the conditions worked out, and Hamilton certainly looked in good shape in that one if it had stayed dry. But. I also think that Red Bull aren't going to take long to get back, back up to speed properly. Um, I think Mercedes is certainly in qualifying trim have a quick car, so that 's going to disrupt people even if they can't make the, at the moment they can 't make the tires last during the race as well as they would like to, and surely they, you know that may be fixable so I, I do believe it's very open this year. I mean, I think the two first races have shown that to a large extent. Yes, McLaren have got the edge, but i 'm not sure that they 're going to necessarily run away with it.
1: No. Um, do, do we have a view, any of us, on um, the Mercedes aerodynamic saga? I mean, is it going? Is it finally legal? Is it not? The FIA are looking at it again.
0: Well, um, the Monday after Australia, we were going to press on the uh, the last issue, uh, so we we didn't get anything in in the issue on Malaysia because that was uh, the weekend after, and uh, I spent the morning. Working with a, an illustrator, Craig Scarborough Who's a very good chap um, And he was trying to explain to me how this thing works And it took a while to, to get it uh, Get it into my thick skull um, How does it work then? Well it's basically a, a oh, This is <laughs> putting me on the spot now The DRS flap When it's, um, when it's open I.e. on the, st- on the straight it's a la- There's a duct Which basically is then um, Open and allows air Through the, through the, the duct and it goes through the car to the front wing and stalls the front wing, which is really amazing, clever stuff. And how that airflow goes all the way through the car, it must be fascinating to, to try and find out the detail of how that works. Um, and uh, we tried to explain it in the last issue. Um, the fact is, from what I can see, if the driver is working the DRS wing, which he is, surely it's an aerodynamic device being um, affected by the driver so it, it should be illegal as far as I can see. Now, there's different interpretations and it's a secondary effect of the wing. It's not the, not the primary purpose of the wing.
2: That doesn't so mean it. It's interesting though, because, it, because you're absolutely right. But also, as soon as you operate the DRS flat, the airflow is gonna change. You know That's a fundamental part of what's going on is that you're, you're changing the airflow over the, over the rear wing. So you are therefore changing the aerodynamic setup, if you like, of the car. Um, and in a way you could say they're simply taking advantage of that and, and flowing the air elsewhere because that's what they want to do. So, I'm, I'm f- you know, I feel a bit split about whether it's legal or not, I th- it's not my job to decide, but I do see both sides of the story. I have to so say.
4: really far and away the, the simplest thing would simply be to ban DRS, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would, <wouldn't> it? yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Well, God, <laughs> blimey, I've been waiting for that for five minutes. <laughs> <yeah>. we don't.
4: <laughs> no, I was sitting here very patiently, <laughs> waiting my turn. We, we don't need uh, it, do we Nigel? I mean, no, I don't. I, I really don't think we do. No. I think well, I mean, come I on, th- it, th- does, it does. It th- does give th- us, us a bit, bit more overtaking. I think the tires are enough. Yeah.
2: Do you think? Now, I, again, on DRS, I'm a bit split because I, I totally understand your your view about you know it should be proper racing. But if we look back at Canada last year, could Jensen Button ever have did what he did without DRS? Uh, no. Do you think so do we think that I mean does that mean that it should be there? Of course fans of Michael say and of course if they
4: hadn't we hadn't had DRS Michael would have been second in that race and he deserved to be second and It's I mean it is something that we can you know, we can debate Hmm. endlessly and and Actually a lot of people who are in favor of DRS uh, Are people I would never have suspected would be so it's. Uh, it isn't just me who's got a got a thing about no, it. No, but, no, but, no, 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 no. None uh, of us really. Uh, like but there are a lot of people are in favour of it. <clears throat> to my great surprise.
1: While we're sorry, while we're on the subject of overtaking, who who's got a view on whether Perez could have could he have passed Alonso had he not dropped it on the curb or was he clearly being told no way are you passing a Ferrari?
2: It's a good question, isn't it? A hard one. A hard one to know. excuse me I mean you know he drove beautifully he drove absolutely stunning race I I do think I think that mistake when he made it just watching it just purely from watching it it looked like a very genuine mistake to me it didn't look like thinking oh I've got to lose a bit of time here so I better run over the curb it was too risky to do that he came very close to that gravel trap and I think it. you know I don't think that was intentional
0: I did think it was a Bit of a shame that I don't know when the the radio message we heard it just before he went off Yeah,
2: but when did it actually? When go did it out? actually go out? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah
0: but, but that message, I have to say, although I've got immense respect for Peter Sauber, he's a very nice man, and he runs a very tight ship, and it's no mean feat to keep that team going, you know, without major sponsorship. But it's probably why there's not many Salva fans out there when when they're in the position to win a Grand Prix, and they tell the driver go for points. It's just not. No, you. you know. are, I, I can't. I, I
4: agree with you, Damien. But but the fact is, 20 points to a team like Sauber, I and mean, that you know, come the end mm. of the year, that's mm. worth so much money. But the psychological impact on the driver. Ah, I, I entirely agree. I thought it was to all agree. to do
1: with with the fact that the Sauber has a Ferrari. It does have a Ferrari. It does. Also, um, well, Perez and is, and, and is
0: therefore Ferrari they, driver academy would as well. It have been pretty. Not cool to. I don't, I don't think that's a factor. Ah. Personally. I, I, no, nor no, do I. I no, I think it's more, I. more the fact that they, you know, they're a business and they need to score right. a good haul of points and they can't afford for Perez to run into Alonso and, and to, to lose that opportunity. It is, yeah. a, it is
3: amazing how many people suddenly see controversy after something like that um, on the <laughs> F1 forums, on the website and things like that. It's just the first thing that everyone mm. was saying yeah. was, oh, well, Perez was definitely told not to overtake. But I think it's a load of rubbish. If you, well, if you hadn't tool? come off,
2: What Um, was
1: the chat in the paddock Ben?
2: I I mean the question came up straight away certainly from some journalists and stuff who who immediately wondered whether that was the case and it was a fair question to ask you know I think you hear something like that and see what happens it was a fair question but but the answer, is we don't really know, do we? Was it, know. Were they just saying, we need that? I mean, you, you look back to Australia, where Maldonado was in such a strong position behind the Ferrari of Alonso, okay, not so far up, but, and then threw it away on the last lap, and maybe they had thoughts of that rat- rattling <coughs> through their head. They certainly didn't want that to happen when they were running second. No. So it's a hard one, isn't it? No, no. I must say, I mean, uh, you
4: know, I agree with you, the, if you. If you look at Perez's accident, and then we'll look at it again and again, it doesn't look to me like it, it just looks an absolutely sort mm. of a, a mistake that other drivers make at that point. BBC only showed uh. it twice.
0: <laughs> 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 but one of the things about that drive though was apart from that one error, what a what a drive. Oh, yeah. Absolutely yeah. astonishing really because yeah. he true. didn't look like he was going to make a mistake, you know. No. No.
1: I really hope he doesn't go to Ferrari. I'm sure you've all got views on it. I really hope he doesn't because to me, I don't see where he's going to go there with Alonso on a five-year contract as the number one driver. I don't really see where it takes Perez if he goes there, so I hope he doesn't.
4: Why, Why, Rob? From what point of view?
1: Well, I just think that Alonso is very much the team leader, and it's unless I'm mistaken.
4: Well, it, yeah, that, that is true. Um, and he's there for five years. I, I, don't think it's a, I don't think Ferrari now is like Ferrari was in the sense of, in the, uh, the tot era, you know, Rubens... Knew right. what quote what was expected of him.
3: No, it's. Um, I don't. I don't think it's like that now. Right. Yeah, I don't think Alonso is don't. He hasn't got number one written in his contract or anything like that. has not he? Okay. Well, I mean, but next to Massa at the moment, it's
2: pretty undebatable isn't it and ultimately to win the constructors championship you need two drivers don't you, you mm. no matter oh. how good you are that's and true. how good your car is one driver is not going to win the constructors no. championship for them so no. they, they've got to have backup that really yeah, I mean, they've got points. 35
4: points at the moment ferrari and they've been all, all of them scored by Alonso. what's so, happened to so, yeah, felipe it's and
2: Nasser, guys well it's a good question and uh, you know he's certainly under huge pressure isn't he um, you know, he, he's, he hasn't performed as well as he, he, as well as he did, there's no doubt about it. You know, th- his last victory was was that Brazilian 2008 race when, you know, that amazing championship battle. That's a long time ago now, and he's been through the accident, he's been through a lot, but you do have to say that he, he just doesn't look as though he's somebody who's really delivering what Ferrari need at the moment. I think uh, it was
4: when he came back after the accident, course there were lots of him and he, he hadn't driven a car for so long and he'd been, you know, he was badly injured. And and of course everybody was saying at the time, is he going to be what he was? Um, and actually when he came back at the beginning of 2010, the first race was Bahrain. Uh, and they, Ferrari finished one, two. And alright, Alonso won and Massa was second. But Felipe outqualified Fernando at his first race back. And that's what I find curious now that he seems to me to be nothing like the driver he was two years ago Let alone before the accident and I was interested to see um, Rubens was interviewed over the weekend of the the IndyCar race and was asked about um, Felipe obviously whom he knows extremely well And he just said he just needs to relax. He needs to remember what he's doing and God almighty. I'm a Grand Prix driver. Aren't I lucky? Let's have let's enjoy it he said, I, I think he's, he, he just thinks Felipe has just got himself completely
3: knotted up, you know, with anxiety and, uh, is, is and it, everything is, else. Sorry, well, it's all about confidence, isn't it? Um, and, <clears throat> you know, you see it with Vettel last year and just supreme confidence of turning up at a Grand Prix weekend and knowing you're going to perform. Whereas Master just doesn't seem to have any at all. And it's, it's almost impossible to drive, especially with a teammate like Alonso, to drive in that mental state.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I've said this so many times, and I'm sure you're all sick of hearing it, but I mean, I have for years and years thought Alonso was the best. And I think to be in a team with Alonso, to A, to be in a team with the best driver, that's one thing. But Fernando is very much one of those Michael Ayrton types of drivers in the sense of um, this ability has to get the team behind him. Um and, I mean, in a way, that's, in, that's what all great drivers should have, this ability to, um, to get a team behind them and a, and a team recognises he's our best help. So, I mean, right back to the days of Jimmy Clark, and Jimmy was not a sort of strident personality at all, but he was so apparent so, so
0: quickly that, well, if we're going to win, it's going to be with this guy.
1: Mr. <laughs> editor let's have a view from you on this um,
0: all I was going to say was I, I hate to lower the tone by bringing football into it but Felipe Massa's like the Fernando Torres of motor racing at the moment I think you know he just, just he's, he just looks shot in terms of his confidence and, and I think Nigel's right he just looks too Torres tight Torres scored at the weekend Torres? Who, who's, who's this chap? Torres he, he <laughs> hang uh, on a <laughs>
2: minute
1: hang on a minute Torres <laughs> scored he did score at the weekend yeah he's
0: got better hasn't he so Massa just needs to did uh, you watch the match Nigel? do the equivalent of motor racing whatever that would be <laughs> Lonzo would what help, were we I talking about before? I don't know. <laughs> anyway.
1: Man United to go win the Premiership, aren't you? Ben. Ben Slightly. Edwards is with us, everybody. Ben, ben I'm Edwards I'm from the BBC. Sorry, ask
0: Ben a question quickly. Yes, about, I'm going um, to. I'm
1: going to Ben.
0: Um, okay, I was going to, but you go ahead, Rob. we go on. Go on. <laughs> no, I was just say Ben. In terms of this this era, yeah. um, You know, in Formula One, compared to when you were last doing Formula One with Eurosport in the mid '90s, mm. it's so much more complex now. There's so much more to look out for yeah what are the challenges that you you know that you've found particularly uh,
2: in terms of commentating um yeah i mean there, there is there is more to look out for although the basic is still the same which is reassuring um because when you actually get into the race and when you're following a race and looking for the patterns in a race it's still much the same so yeah you're having to react to things like the use of drs the use of kers, being aware of how that is changing things and how how they're using that to move up through the order um, strategy. Well, strategy's always played a part in it, I think, to a certain extent. Um, we don't have fueling anymore, so you know, so you at least you lose that that variable. Um, so although it's changed, it's all the same. I think that's how I feel. Um, I, I, I do feel that the the job hasn't changed hugely in what I'm doing in terms of getting it across to the audience and trying to explain what's going on.
0: Um, one thing we don't. Obviously here is that you've also got someone talking in your ear. Yes, H- how much communication are you having with producers and things?
2: Actually, it's less on this than I have had with other things in the past. There's no ads. There's no ads. No, yeah. that's right I'm only doing it for one channel whereas when I was doing champ cars, for example I was doing it for two different channels It was going out on Eurosport and it was also going out on ESPN International with different break patterns So they were counting me to different breaks I'd have to carry on between the two breaks for one and not the other and then come back for both and summarize for each so that was a lot more complex I mean this is much more straightforward and I'm also not hearing with touring cars even you're hearing the director calling the shots and what's going on Um, so with this Mark Wilkin the producer is is fairly quiet to me until he wants to tell me something specific and whether that's uh, some piece of information they've got or whether it's to go down to Gary in the pits so actually it's it's relatively quiet for me in, in the in the headphones
1: about time you had an easy job isn't it <laughs> <laughs> I mean god you worked hard enough to get there um, it, it's time to take readers questions we, we, we always take questions from the readers for obvious reasons and um, the first one Ben comes from Raymond Umbara and he asks, "Who's the best expert summarizer you've worked with?" Now we know you've worked with a few.
2: Mm, yeah, I mean that's a bit a difficult question because that, that I've enjoyed working with all of them, you know, and they all bring something slightly different. So I, I, I wouldn't say who's better and who's not so good. They all bring something slightly different to the to the party. Um, I mean, Watty obviously I've done most with, and uh, you know we we we've had a good working relationship you know it does work well between the two of us and it, it did right from the word go when we did our first Eurosport commentary together we didn't do any rehearsal did nothing you know we just went straight in and with Eurosport there was no producer as such it was just the two of us turning up to a, to a, a commentary box somewhere which had been booked and and we sat down and got on with it you know and and it was that simple <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and you know I've worked with Jeremy Shaw when I was doing the champ cars that we were talking about mm-hmm. earlier Jeremy it's very different because he's a journalist as opposed to Next yep. top racing driver, I mean, he did race, but not at a high level, um, but a brilliant co-commentator. I mean, really good, the way he could add different stuff to, to what I was doing and just, you know, bring in different information. I think that's the key is, is having somebody who brings in something else, you know, so, so I'm sort of trying to just tell the, the basic story of, of what's happening here. And hopefully the co-commentator's bringing in something a little extra either the driving technique or the, the, something else about what we're seeing, that's, that's what you want. Sorry, just
3: going back to Damien's question, something that just popped into my head. How much more information have you got in the <coughs> combox? box? Obviously, you've got Mark in your ear yes. telling you various bits and pieces, but you're, obviously, you're seeing the same footage as
2: us, yeah, but same you've also feed. got
3: timing screens. So and we've those. got
2: the timing screens that are available to, to everybody, so the same as you have in the press room there, and indeed you can have them at home nowadays, can't you? So uh, We do have a, tr- a track map as well, which you can also get. Uh, at home now, so y- you can sort of see where the cars are on the lap, which is useful. You don't have lots of other images though. I'm not looking at lots of different screens. Um, you know, you, those pictures you tend to see sometimes of a TV production unit with lots of screens, that tends to be where the director's sitting and he's choosing which camera he's taking, whereas when I'm commentating I'm basically just taking the the feed that everybody sees and I'm commentating on that Um, so there's not a lot of additional, Um, commentary box sometimes has a view of pit lane sometimes doesn't, Uh, not usually anything more than that, I mean occasionally you see a bit more than that but usually pit lane nothing else, so you can say oh we can see McLaren have come out, uh, you know standing and waiting but for Australia for example all you could literally see was pit lane exit so you could just see a car come out of the pits and, and that was about it So you're not really able to add an awful lot to it from that point of view.
1: It's always a really good plan if you're watching the same pictures as us.
2: To commentate (laughs) on those pictures. It is dangerous. I mean, I've done it. Brands Hatch is the classic. When you're commentating at Brands, you're actually, it's a great commentary position because you're up in one of the penthouse suites. And uh, certainly in touring cars, I have in the past, you know, commentated on something that is not on screen yeah, because I've seen see it out yeah. yeah, but right. actually with touring cars it worked because the director was listening to me and would follow it, you know yeah. different to Formula One because yeah. FOM produced the yeah. pictures for Formula yeah. One and they're not listening to any commentary they're just following the story of the race yeah. with touring cars if I said oh somebody's off a paddock yeah, the, right. the director would get there and that was fabulous you know so you said that actually did work quite well yeah. um more readers questions
1: otherwise pointless sending them in um This comes from David Modern Man Hopkins. Can you ask Ben how far he thinks he could have progressed with his racing career had he decided to do that instead of talk about it?
2: (laughs) Um, Yeah, difficult question. Um, I I got up to, I I raced Formula Vauxhall Lotus in Britain and Europe. Uh, Would love to have raced F3 competitively, ran out of of budget at that point, so never got the chance, did a test in an F3 car and... Tested an F3000 car once, just for a, for an article that I wrote. Um, I wasn't good enough to have got to Formula One. Uh, I raced against Hakkinen. I raced against Coulthard briefly, uh, McNish, and you know there was there was certainly those you know, certainly Hakkinen in particular. I mean we saw what he went on to. I mean he you know he was. A very special and always was, you know, coming through the ranks. Um,
1: Terrible commentator. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, his speciality is something else. We're all good at different things, aren't we? That's, that's the thing in life. Um, maybe I could have made it as a professional driver I- I- in something like touring cars or sports cars, but, but ultimately I know I didn't have that exceptional talent that, that, that goes, takes people all the way.
1: Yeah. Okay. This will please you, Ben. It comes from Andrea Giasch, and it's not a question. Andrea just wants to say that he's Italian and he grew up with your commentaries, and you're one of his heroes, oh, how about that's, that? That's lovely, that's, yeah. lovely. that's yeah, lovely, thank you very good, much. It's nice to hear it's stuff. It's funny actually,
2: because the Eurosport commentary, you know, used to used to go to all sorts of places, yeah, yeah. and um, right. it, it, at that time, of course, it was in, in the UK, it was going out on the BBC, and Eurosport was tiny minnow, you know, mm. the people who watched Eurosport, they, they watched it for the practice sessions probably, and, and then probably switched to the BBC, but actually in, in Germany, of all places, we used to, John and I used to get sort of more recognition in Germany, yeah, yeah, because, yeah. because it, it had a big audience in Germany, yeah. Even though we were going out in English yeah. in Germany, so it was it was very strange. And it was very
4: comprehensive. I it mean was. I remember
2: I mean that in those days there was a
4: race day warm-up yes. and, and you used to do that. Yeah, that was great know? actually. Yeah,
2: because yeah, yeah. we used to invite people in and just have a sure, chat. That sure. was that was great. I used yeah, to really enjoy doing you know. a warm-up.
1: Yeah. This comes from Jensen's Curse Button. I, I gotta apologise for these <laughs> anyway, it is he's Jensen's Curse Button, this guy. Um Thank you, Nigel. <laughs> how how nervous were you, Ben? And be honest here. Come on. On yeah. the first broadcast in Australia, uh, you know, it's a, big, it's a big number, isn't it? You know, you're the chief commentator, BBC. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, no, there were some nerves, definitely. Uh, some anticipation, uh, eagerness to get on with it and get get stuck in. So yeah, th- there were some nerves, but also, you know, also a a sense of of knowing that that's what I've done for a long time. Uh, I've done it before. I've you know I've done Formula One commentary before. I've done all sorts of motor racing commentary for a long, long time. And just sort of just making sure I was sort of falling back on what I know I do. You know, and and sort of having that, that rock of experience really helps. I, you know, if I'd done this maybe you know, straight out of Eurosport back in the mid-90s, maybe it would have been more nerve-wracking to have been at that level. but I, and, it, and it was, nerve- It was, to a certain extent, nerve-wracking, but I also felt I was really looking forward to it, and I, and I loved it. I just loved getting into it.
4: Ben, can I ask you one thing? Uh, just thinking about something Martin mm-hmm. Brundle said to me over the winter, about Martin's got this absolute obsession about... It, when it's live it's different and I I did just you know, and I need that and everything else um, From your point of view. I mean, I I mean, I know you were commentating on the race as it was happening. Of course you were yes but Is there any is there any difference between knowing you're not actually being heard at this second? No, because actually
2: I, I was uh, if you lived in New Zealand or South Africa, oh, okay. you would yeah. have been hearing me right, actually, right. I've got a friend in, in New Zealand who listened to the whole thing right. Um and so and anyway because I'm commentating the race live it doesn't make any difference to me and I know that if if I mess up for example it's not going to get revoiced it's not going to be changed I think it makes more difference to the presenters so to to Jake and and to DC when he's not in the combo, box it makes a difference to them because there's less build up um, you know They have to be much more refined in what they're doing. They do have the chance perhaps of doing it again if they get it wrong. And I totally understand what Martin says on that because I, kn- I know what I'm like. If I'm doing a piece live, y- you're sharper, you do it better than when you're doing it as a post-production and it's weird and I don't understand it, but it, it is different. But, but because the commentary was live as the race happened, then for me, I had that live kick anyway. So, so for commentary, it was fine, but for presenting, I do think it's a different story. Mm. Mm
1: okay uh next one comes from tim angus he wants to ask you ben about your experiences in formula first <laughs> i think that's a long
2: time ago well i know but i'm sure you haven't forgotten them <laughs> no 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 not at all no formula first uh was a was a very junior single-seater category it was introduced by john webb formula ford was getting very expensive as it does all throughout throughout its history it sort of starts off with reasonably good value and then Climbs in cost, and Formula First was introduced in 1987 as a as a, a cheap way to go racing. I had done a little bit of Formula Ford, pre-74 Formula Ford before that, and um, yeah, I did that. I did that first year and won the championship. and to a certain extent, I was lucky because uh, there were a few of us fighting for the title up front uh, and most of the chaos, and there was an awful lot of it, <laughs> was behind lot. us, uh, except, not, except not at the first race, because I, I remember sitting clearly on the grid for the first race on pole position. I had Sean Hollandby next to me, who is now a Touring Car team manager, and... Um, on pole position, dropped the clutch, didn't go anywhere at all. Drive shafts sheared and got smacked from behind. So, so that was yeah. my first memory of, of a Formula First race. But thankfully, after that, most of the accidents were happening behind that sort of front group. So it, it was a great Formula. I mean, it was yeah. a brilliant way to to Absolutely. get introduced. And and yeah. you know, some some guys from Formula First really have gone on to some yeah. great things in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Total chaos. Yes, yeah. it was. it was, know, it was good was. viewing. Yeah. 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 It was great yeah. viewing. Yeah. <laughs> Um,
1: Martin Robinson wants to know how much work is involved over a Grand Prix weekend, because obviously the bit that we know about you is that you pop up on the box, do your bit, and you go. Sure. Um, And what sort of research you do before you get as far as the commentary box?
2: I do a lot of research, and that's not just over the week over the race weekend. That's before as well. You know, so during the the weeks leading up to it, um, you know, I've been since I got since I got the gig at at the end of well November really was when it was confirmed. Then I've been constantly sort of updating notes because I've been out of Formula One for a little while. So I used to keep pretty solid notes, but there wasn't much point in keeping that up while I wasn't doing Formula One. So I needed to sort of pick that all back up again. Over the course of a race weekend, it's interesting because I'm learning still myself what I what I needed to be done for BBC because, you know, it's different depending on what you're doing. So now on a Thursday, I'm helping Lee with some of the interviews um, with drivers, uh, teams, as as Nigel was saying, sort of allocate times for the drivers to talk to media, whether it's TV or written media. So you've got to be at their hospitality um, place at a certain time to do the interview and quite often the top teams manage to set them up at the same time so Lee can't be in two places at once so I'll you know she's got to do McLaren then I'll go off and do Red Bull she does most of those interviews but I will help out on a Thursday so that's that sort of Thursday plus research plus sort of you know finding out where we are what the latest news is Friday Radio 5 what we're doing now is I'm doing the, the morning session for Radio 5 Live so James Allen who's the main host for Radio 5 Live's coverage is is in pit lane for the first session and i'm in the box so we did that in both australia and malaysia and i think that's the plan we're going to continue doing that and it's great for me i really enjoy it because it's a nice way of getting into the weekend james is down at the pits and he's happy because he's getting to see people talk to people and sort of get his whole weekend going by talking to the correct people and finding out what's going on um, and so it's a really nice way to start the weekend. So, that, so I do the first session for Radio 5 Live, then the second session I would watch from my own commentary position, just check that everything, we do some sound checks and that kind of thing to make sure that that's all working okay. Again, I might well do some interviews after the pre-practice session. Um, and then we're into Saturday and Sunday, and of course then you, you know you're focused on the qualifying program and the race programs after that. But with the highlights, for example, we're not getting away until I'm with the crew until sort of ten o'clock at night on a Saturday night, Sunday night, because highlights get fed out later. So the live show would be quite nice, really, because we'll all get to <laughs> get, get back to the hotel <laughs> at a sensible yeah, time. Yeah, <laughs> um, you're saying you're doing some uh, of the five live yes. commentaries. So have yeah. you worked with Al Goswari? I yeah. did. Well, I how's, did in, uh, how's he doing? Very good, actually. Very good. Yeah, no, he, uh, the, the ones, the sessions I've done with him, he's been fantastic. He's um, brought good insight, very current, uh, explains himself extremely well, and surprised me, really, for a young guy. I mean, he is very young. Um, you know, it's not his first language, but he actually comes across very well, I think. Something I've noticed with, <clears throat> with him, with James Allen, he's, he points out quite a lot that he wants to be out there. Yeah. And he wants to be racing. Yeah, I think I think he's missing it. I think uh, now he's got that Pirelli. Now he's got that Pirelli drive. I think that will help hugely because I think he is frustrated, and and I think I think he found it very hard to see Perez doing what he did because he is a very much contemporary of Perez. They've come up through the ranks together, and f- I think it I think it hurt him to you know. And uh, be fair, uh, you know, I've been in a position like that in the past years ago, where you know you're seeing a big rival of yours suddenly achieving massive things, and it and it you know as a competitive person and it's got to hurt otherwise you wouldn't be a good driver, you wouldn't be a good competitor Uh, so I can understand that but actually I have to say when when he's been working with me um, I wasn't getting too much of that sort of I wish I was there kind of thing he was just giving good input so I think he'll deal with that it's something he's got to sort of grow into a little bit
1: Let's take our final reader's question of this podcast. It comes from Stopwatch Hospitality. These people clearly don't want to know who they are for some reason. Well, um, most of these
3: are off Twitter and from there you get quite weird names, oh. which will... Are you on Twitter, Rob, yet? Yes. Uh, Nigel, no. there's, actually, there's actually been a campaign started to get you on Twitter. <laughs>
4: I tell you, well, I tell you. But, if, but, if, but I, I mean, if I'm not on it, how am I ever going to know about it? I, I, think think I, I really, just told you. How, how, <laughs> on, where, have you where, how, where have you come across this? Well, on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh well, there we go. Anyway, <laughs> but, I think. That's enough it Twitter-ing can't be done against time, my do will, can it? it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay,
1: fine. See you on Twitter, Nigel. Um, <laughs> I want to bring you back down to earth, just in case you're getting a bit carried away. And uh, the final questions about touring car racing. Okay, um, and I'm asking you well actually it's not me, it's him, but um the first race of the season uh, well exciting as usual, but incredibly poor driving standards in my view what's your view about all what the of the whole situation in touring cars with penalties and you know
2: uh I think it's a difficult one because uh, touring cars is about entertainment. You know, it is it's about entertaining an audience in a different way to to Formula One. I think Formula One is much more pure form of racing touring cars is is about entertainment. Uh, On the other hand, I, I, you know, as an ex-driver myself, I don't like to see poor, poor driving standards. Um, I think I I didn't see anything that was too outrageous at the weekend in terms of really poor driving standards. Actually, I, I, I you know, there were there were some mistakes and I think there was some... It's
1: a lot of contact.
2: Then. There was a lot of contact and there, were, there was, you know, there's a bit too much. It does, you know, I don't like necessarily this nudge wide to get through kind of thing. And there was a little bit too much of that going on for my liking. Um, it's not necessary to do that for the good guys. You know, they can do it without getting involved in all that. So, yes, there was a bit too much of that. Um, I thought, you know, Plato's move to try and get past uh, Newsham, that was unfortunate, and and and, it, and, he, and he should have he should have backed out of that before he went into it, and and for for someone like Jason, you know, I could see how, sort of how it developed. There was a bit of a gap, but. Jason knows brands better than anyone and he knows it's tightening up into Paddock Hill Bend, and I think he should have backed out of it and I think that was, that was his error and I felt very sorry for Dave Newsham on that because there was a guy who had a huge opportunity um, but that is all part and parcel of what Touring Cars is and in a way let's hope it always is because a bit of controversy makes life interesting gets people talking about it and hopefully tuning in to watch it next time
1: there you are everybody. A bonus BTC commentary <laughs> from Ben Edwards.
2: Free. <laughs> How about that? So
0: it must have been strange for you, uh, you know, you have done so many years of BTCC. Yeah. It was odd actually, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, being at home, uh, just being at home Saturday morning and and sort of thinking, yeah, you know, it's all kicking off down at Brands. So it was it was strange. Um, but, you know, it it, it it's i'm so happy to be doing formula one obviously it's it's something i've you know i've, I've hoped to do and i actually thought it wasn't going to happen and, and was quite happy i love doing touring cars you know i really did enjoy my time in touring cars um and i will always keep an eye on it and always follow it because it, it you know i always did before i was involved so uh it, it is great fun great form of racing but yeah it felt strange the weekend i did i thought that toby moody did a fantastic job though and him and tim worked extremely well together and and it was very enjoyable to listen to yeah
1: OK, let's go around the table before we uh, close the show. Uh, Nigel, how about something on the current Grand Prix season?
4: Uh, I, I was sort of quite, sort of quietly interested in um, in Vettel's manner mm-hmm. after the race in Malaysia. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it did sort of bring back, memories of Sebastian before he mm. Got himself into a situation where He leave home to go to this race knowing before he left home. He was going to win it mm. um, And I thought his behavior also was quite strikingly different from Jensen's because they both had a coming together with Nouraen Carter and I think in both cases it was not Carter um fault mm. And I, I mean you had to sympathize with him there. He was you know, in the restart 10th in an HRT mm. life was going to be pretty <laughs> difficult <laughs> And with a lot of fairly impatient people um, But I, I, th- I thought in both cases Carter couldn't be blamed and whereas Jensen immediately said it was completely my fault mm. uh, It's the easiest thing in the world to blame a backmarker sure sure and it's happened since the beginning of time and 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 it's rarely do people take issue with you. They said, "Well, you know, he's at the back. He doesn't really know what he's doing, and all the rest of it." Carter can I thought was was pretty well, you know, completely blameless. Mm. And I just thought Jensen's attitude was, you know, remarkably different grown up. and grown and considerably more grown up than Vettel's. And I. Just, the, I thought the expression on Vettel's face. I thought, well, I we haven't seen that for a couple of years. But we did used to see
2: it quite a lot.
1: Your take on that, Ben?
2: Mm, no, it's an interesting comment. And 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 if you look at um, Australia too, and uh, you know, Jensen won, so obviously he was on on cloud nine. But but he has a he has a way of of dealing with both the ups and the downs on a, in a very sort of uh, even handed way. Whereas Lewis, you know, we're clearly so disappointed, wasn't he? Uh, you know, with third in Australia. Um, seemed happier with his third in in Malaysia, but but Jensen of all of them is the one who seems to be able to maintain a, a more level uh, Sense of of where he is what he's trying to do and what he's trying to achieve And I think that that could be something very significant as we go through the year Me too Yeah, I absolutely. And, in, and in
4: fact, I mean as you say in Malaysia Lewis was apparently much happier with his third place than he had been in Oz and uh, The only real reason I could work that out was was that you know dare I say it, that Jensen hadn't scored.
2: Yeah, you do. Because want
4: it, yeah. when, once after the restart, when it settled down, and Alonso was leading and Perez was second, and Lewis was, I think he was like, well, whatever he was, seven, eight seconds behind. Mm-hmm. I thought Lewis would have them for breakfast. Yeah, me too. Both of them. I must admit. And when he not only didn't catch them, but actually began to fall away, I was I was staggered by that. Quite and and honestly.
2: when you think about it, those first two races, and it's so unusual to see Lewis, A, beaten off the line, you know, as he was in Australia, but then unable really to, to come to back to make any impression yeah and then for it to happen again in different circumstances not against his teammate but again it's mm. again unusual see him sitting in the third but unable to with a car that we we all think is a good yeah. car unable to really challenge it so it's a slightly unusual situation right
1: at the moment is it is it? There's something not right. But then right. look at his well. pole lap. I mean, his pole laps have well, been yeah, phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. Two
2: pole laps. Yeah. He's gone out early in each yeah. session yeah. when you would think maybe the, the track wasn't at its best. Yeah. And he has put in two blindingly fast laps. He's a fantastic driver. He
1: right, is. You? Know, yeah, he well, is incredible. I,
2: but, but again, in, in, um, in, in Melbourne,
4: <coughs> all right, Jensen beat him off the line and did a perfect job away from the start. But I really thought, you know, Lewis was going to be mm. all over him. Mm. And in fact, Jensen simply drove away.
1: That's right. Ed, um, as. A new sky watcher. Have we tempted you to come back to the BBC?
3: I'll definitely be watching the races on the, on the BBC when they're, when, they're, when they're live on the BBC. Um, and this year, I think what a lot of people seem to forget is that the British public have got an amazing choice you know, for, for coverage. We've never had it so good in terms of the amount and, and standard of it. So, um, no, I'll certainly be watching some of the live races on, on the BBC. But a question for you about... I'd, obviously, Malaysia was you know, a complete anomaly in terms of results with Alonso winning. Ferrari seem to have come out with a an, another car that doesn't quite work. Can, are they really going to claw back? I mean, even with Alonso, I mean, he seems to be so relaxed about that. Well, he, he, on the surface, I'm sure yeah, he's not relaxed. But say, you know, we, we're not where we need to be, but we'll get there. And this is Ferrari and, and we all love each other and all that kind of stuff. But... but the, are they really going to claw back? Because someone like McLaren and Red Bull, if they are faster already, the mm. two sort of best teams are developing mid-season. I don't see Ferrari getting back there.
2: I think yeah, but I think they do have the infrastructure, don't they? Like Red Bull and McLaren, that they can turn it round. Whereas you know some of the lower teams really, they really can't. So I think if any team can, as we've seen McLaren do it in the past, and Ferrari have that capability to turn it around. But you're right, they've got a lot of catching up to do and if McLaren are already at a certain level and as we know, they will continue to develop that car, it, it's going to be very difficult for them. I don't know, I think it's possible though. I do think it's possible that they might turn it around and you know, what a result Alonso delivered for, for the team. I mean, you know, Nigel, you were talking about how, you know, how he does deliver for the team but if they ever needed to knit together I mean you know, that, that wonderful Domenicali quote at the end that was beautiful this you is know.
4: one of the most it, beautiful yeah. yeah, it was just <laughs> fantastic
2: wasn't it wasn't that and yeah. you could feel how much yeah. it meant they yeah. are so under pressure and that, you know, Alonso delivered for them, you know, they are going to turn the world upside down for him now, even if they weren't before, to give him a car. Because yeah. look what he did for them. Absolutely. You know? that was, I mean, I, I, I
4: always like a race that is won by a car that should not be anywhere near winning. It,
0: it doesn't happen very often, but in Malaysia it, it absolutely does. Did. Did. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Fantastic. Damien?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, we. I think we've all talked about Alonso um, between ourselves. It was, it was one of the great classic modern drives I think um, and it showed, showed the class of the guy one other person I'd like to mention is Kimi Raikkonen who I think has made a tremendous start restart back into Formula 1 ok he had his few problems in Australia qualifying but he, he, d- he doesn't look too ring rusty does he and no he's looking good at the race him, performances yeah. have been
2: excellent mm. and the car looks yeah, surprisingly good, Impressive. doesn't it? Yeah.
1: yeah, it's great to have Kimmy back. There isn't it? it is. I, just, so, I don't yeah. know why, but it is. It's great. There's something about you it. You Just it know is. he's
2: gonna.
4: He's just. He's gonna go he's on the
3: attack. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
4: I think it's the insights we get <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah well we get those from you we don't need to get it, from you. What was it what was,
2: there was a story i saw about ice cream and the malaysian grand prix yeah. Did you, oh, what, what was this it's, uh lotus lotus were handing around oh, ice yeah. creams in the press room before the race which i thought was quite a nice touch because it goes back to when he when he had that ice cream in the stopped race you know um a few years ago in 2009 wasn't it um so i thought that was a nice touch by lotus and i and actually the They're putting a lot of effort into that side of things this year. You're sort of noticing they're putting a lot of effort into the PR and marketing side of of Lotus. And I think I went and visited the factory uh, earlier this year, and I think the feeling was that when it was Renault, they sort of didn't need to do that side of things so much Renault were funding it and and you know, the money was there now They've yeah. got to become a real commercial yeah. liability and they're, and they're working hard on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm.
4: Uh, I must confess. I mean, you know when you were earlier on Rob saying right some everybody come out with a thought The thought that goes through my head <laughs> really so often uh, is I just keep thinking about you know wise and robert kibitzer here in the middle of this oh, right, yeah yeah. in the middle of this mix yeah because yeah. a lot of people think in terms of pure talent he's better than anybody mm. talking of so rallying that's terribly sad.
1: talking of rallying did we all see the program about group b rallying on the bbc no missed that one Wow,
2: yes. good, it was good wasn't it
1: fantastic you've got to watch it i mean bbc4 it's okay. absolutely
3: fantastic yeah, there's, uh, oh, uh, there's a dvd called madness madness on wheels Right. Just well, we did have Brilliant. a
0: clip on the website of a trailer but the BBC had blocked it So uh, I, I was actually yeah.
3: plugging the programme for the, for the BBC <laughs> but it, it, it got blocked
2: <laughs> it's not my fault well, I <laughs> don't think it's so much Ben could do about that <laughs> no, right.
3: it, it,
1: a lot of our readers are fans of real rallying by which I mean the Group B days and it's, it really is worth watching an amazing fact came out of the programme right in the first 10 minutes or so which was that when Audi started rallying with the Quattro uh, one no, seven out of ten people in France thought an Audi was a washing machine. Really? And look at it now. That's amazing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah.
0: yeah. There's so much going on. I mean, we, we, we're all hearing stories about the making of this Rush film. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, James yeah. Hunt and Nicky Lauder. Yeah. There's uh, the yeah. Francois Sever film that's supposed yeah. to be um, yeah. in production. And there's a, we, we've written about a Richard Seaman film that's being talked about as well. There's... Mike Hawthorne, and Peter Collins from yeah. the Senna the team. So, yeah, there's an yeah, amazing amount of interest. <laughs> Great in stories. Actually, managed. just
4: <laughs> while we're on Group B, the, when the thing that always comes back to me is a story Jonathan Palmer told me at the time. He was, I think he he was driving for Zakspeed at that time. And Lancia were, for reasons unclear to me, they were at, at Estrell at the track mm. testing the, um, the, the Group yeah. B car. Jonathan... Went round with Toivan, um, did a number of laps with him, and, and I, rem- I mean it made a massive impression on him. No,
1: I bet it did. And he
4: <laughs> <laughs> but but it, it, but in but in one respect, um, particularly, he, he reckoned. From a standstill to 100 miles an hour, it was as quick as his Formula One car at the time. Yeah, so imagine it on ice. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) unimaginable. They were amazing. Amazing. They were. Okay,
1: well, hey, Ben Edwards, thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure to have you here. And uh, we thought we'd better get you in before your fee is too so much (laughs) we can't afford (laughs) it. And uh, luckily, we've done so. (laughs) So, um, Let me tell you before we close about um, our subscription offer, because it is obviously important to us and it's a very good deal for you. Um, You can save over 29% on the cover price of our magazine when you subscribe today. And you get a free DVD on Motorsports, Bill Boddy and Dennis Jenkinson. And if you don't know who they are, you won't want the DVD. But most of you do know who they are, and it's well worth watching. A one-year subscription in the UK is £46. In the rest of the world, it's £64. And in the USA, it's £85 okay that's for one year for two years it's 84 pounds in the uk in the rest of the world it's 120 and in america it's 150 and that is a saving of 37 percent over two years on the magazine so get out there subscribe we need you And don't forget, too, of course, that you can read motorsport on your iPad. Just go to the Apple newsstand, which I guess is some virtual news... Yeah, right. ...to download it. And when you subscribe to the print edition, in other words, if you decide to take up the subscription offer to the magazine magazine, you will get every issue totally free on your iPad. And it's the future, as we know. So get going. Thank you very much, everybody, particularly to Ben Edwards, whose BBC limousine is probably outside as we speak. (laughs) Good luck for the rest of the season. We're we're really chuffed for you, I must say, after uh, all the work you've done to get there. And uh, thanks to Nigel, to Ed and to Damien. See you next time. Bye-bye.
0: Motorsport Magazine,
1: for the very best in motor racing.